Stay tuned, Connect with Damien and Amanda is about to start. Back. It is. Did you know I looked just before it has been 200 days since our last podcast? I was wondering. So can you think of what's happened in the world in the last 200 days? So much. So much. And that's what we're going to maybe just have a bit of a chat about today, yeah. catch up on a few things. Yeah. And Regroup. A, and reconnect. Yeah. Hence the connection. The connection. With Damien and Amanda. Yeah. How have you been? I have been in the last, this year, I've been amazing. Good. I love that. Absolutely. That was very direct. Yes. I've been amazing. Yeah. And the That's last good. couple of days, like down here um, with the weather, it's been fantastic. Yeah. We finally got a summer, it feels like today. Yeah, you're back. You're yep. back at the beach. Yes. Back mm. where I belong. And I have <laughs> been living at the beach for the last couple of months too. You have. What was your, what was like the, the best things you found down here? Slowing down, mm. reconnecting and integrating everything I learned in lockdown. Mm. Do you know, I was talking to someone uh, a couple of days ago and they were talking about when you drive down to the peninsula from Melbourne, she said there's a point where she feels everything change. Yeah, there it's is. Like, Everyone yeah. says it. Yeah. There's it's like a, the wineries when you see that the, the fields or there's a spot where you just see the water and you just go, your whole nervous system goes, oh. mm, I'm home. Yeah. Just the energy changes. Yeah. So what were your favourite places down here? Um, Tootgarook, I'm so in love with the front beach there. I love um, the shallow water and yeah. it's really good for my dog, Henry. Yeah. Um, and just um, I was staying at a house only one block away from the beach so it was so grateful for the time I spent there and just to be able to walk straight out, out on the beach in the morning. I did lots of walks. Um, I did a lot of work as well, got a, a lot of projects done. I did a photo shoot down there <laughs> which is all over the new websites. I did heaps. It was it was such a joyful time and I think I needed that to balance out, you know, being quite isolated inside as we all have been, you know, for what was it, eight months last year? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. I think all I worked up? it out like from work was about seven or eight months, which yeah. is a long time. It's a long time. Yeah, and I thought about like uh, probably maybe five, six years ago I was going to do a, a long service leave style, travel around Australia in a caravan. Cool. And at the time, uh, things changed. It didn't quite work out. But I remember that fear being about, oh, well, how am I going to support myself? How am I going to survive without working for, say, three months or yeah. 12 weeks when you go away? Yeah. And then, and that's under the best circumstances mm. where this mm. one just was bang, came down like the yeah. sledgehammer. Yeah, you, you managed to survive. Yeah, you do. You just make it work. And that's, I guess, what last year really has taught all of us. Um, we learned what we were truly made of and we were challenged in so many ways oh yeah for sure like we're still recovering from that which is what I want to talk about today is you know coming out of survival is going to be so important this year really creating hope again and um, a mindset that really you know moves forward from mm. the habitual fear of survival that we've all sort of really truly been living you know last year and and to start fresh again and to create something new this year it's very important to do the work to you know come Coming out of survival means, um, you know, really grounding again, which is mm. how both you and I have felt coming back to the beach, I guess, is reconnecting back to ourselves um, and integrating. What did you learn like last year in lockdown? Like if you were integrating now all the new lessons, 
I think it sounds like a 1980s movie, but that that no time like the present. Like yeah. now is the time. If there's something you want to execute, you mm. want to do, now is the time to do it. Yeah. Like just talking about that with the going away, like my sister, she's just got a newborn baby and they've just decided, you know what, we're going to buy a caravan, we're going to do it and they've done it. Boom, boom, we're going away and, yeah. and we're doing this. Like it's just it's Not waiting. it's a, a, an amazing catalyst for change. Yes. And it's always great in hindsight to talk about it now. But like you said, when you're in the spiralling and you're in the depths of, you know, what we might have been in that second lockdown in Melbourne, mm. which was pretty intense. It was. You've got to remember we couldn't travel, what was it, 5Ks out of your zone. Oh, yeah, that was You know, awful. you couldn't put your bins out after 8 o'clock at night because you had a curfew. There was, yeah. there was a lot of things that you sort of forget about those things. Yeah. And oh. when you were talking about um, survival before which is really interesting one of the things i find that's important now is that mindfulness and being aware of any of that re-triggering mm. so like at the moment if there's a you know the cases might pop up for a little while here and there which is inevitable and it's going to happen for years to come of course yeah but it's not that oh no here we go again you know it's not yeah. that slipping back into that survival the hypervigilance kicks in and, and you don't want to spiral scenarios. back down to worst case scenario yeah. yeah that's what i'm saying i've seen so many people that are actually wired for almost best case scenario now so it's just got their brain well, to go you good. know what here we go i'm i'm going for this yeah and that actually is um one of the most positive things i think for us all of what we've learned we've learned what's important to us mm. and we're executing it and that's a gift that's that's awesome yeah yeah and i know you went into like just full i don't even know what to say like full bore like just content creation like you you yeah. went for it whereas i probably looked at where i'm at what i'm doing next and a time you know, to slow down yeah contemplated yeah. i was the yin, I was the yin. <laughs> where you just blasted the yang out but yeah. for very good reason too like you created some amazing stuff for people and resources i'm pretty tired now <laughs> i was just saying that before now i need to go a little bit more yin yeah that's what i'm learning now there's been so much execution of new content you know, trying to make everything digital and I'm, that's really cool. But I've also recognised that, you know, I probably haven't taken enough time to stop and integrate and that's probably why I instinctively wanted to come up and move to Tukuruk mm. um, for a couple of months and I'm really glad um, and Henry loved it too and just getting out into nature. Even though I, I worked really hard in, over the last couple of months whilst it was supposed to be a break, there were multiple times that I just sat outside and really you know, got some vitamin D and sat in nature and got to know the birds that would be in the back garden all the time. It actually was very rejuvenating and relaxing. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we did that last night, the whole family. We got them all down the beach last night and nice. got the, the vitamin D. We had our Hasselhoff competition. Do you remember David Hasselhoff yeah. from Baywatch? Yeah. So we all had everyone had to run in and do their best Hasselhoff impression <laughs> into the water. I love that. That's so cool. So that was, uh, that was last night. We played played that game. Cool. And then, yeah, just sunbaked for a while and came back and had some tacos. It wasn't Tuesday, but the tacos were still good on Wednesday. Down, down in Dramana? No, no, came home here. Oh, down to Dramana, yeah. Yep, yeah, I've to been beach. to that Mexican place, if it's the same one in Dramana. The, is that where you went to no, eat no, taco? No, no, we had homemade tacos, oh, homemade. but is there a good one down there too? There is. Oh, there's awesome. a really, I uh, can't remember the name of it, but there's a great Mexican restaurant in Dramana. Mm. Isn't it interesting too with the beaches that like, um, so obviously just down the road from me here, Dramana, you can sort of swim, you know, a, a, probably 10, 20 metres offshore. You know, it's quite deep and whereas down at Tukaruk, it's, you know, you can walk out for three kilometres and it's still only but it does go deep. And then someone drowned mm. a couple of months ago. I think that might have been a heart attack though or something Yeah, I think like it that. was um, someone in his 80s mm. or something. So, but yeah, yeah, I used to live there when I was a kid and um, and then also lived there for a little while. Maybe I'm trying to think of how old Campbell is. So probably 
12, 13 years ago and we were right opposite the beach there and it was fantastic for kids. It was oh. the same thing. used to get over there every day. So good. Yeah. And so many dogs out there. Um, and just getting, you know, a fold-up chair and sitting out there in the shallow water mm. and just chilling. Did you see all the black swans? Were they around yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're indigenous to that particular area oh, there. Amazing. So they just, just come in around that area that. there. Yeah, yeah. I, so many beautiful birds. That's what I miss. Now I'm back in Melbourne, which I love. I love being back in Melbourne, but I do miss all the birds here mm. and just how it feels. It makes me slow down. Yeah. I think I need that. I've always needed something to slow me down. Mm. And obviously we're we're out in my studio at the moment recording this and it's amazing when you look out and you'll you'll get everything. The rosellas will come in and try and eat the apples that I've got yeah. out there and then the kookaburras will come in, yep. um, you know, at five or six o'clock at night and then you've got the magpies, the yeah. noisy miners. And, and yeah. the rooster. Yeah, the rooster. <laughs> yeah. So you get them all like it's, Love it's, it's a rooster. bird sanctuary. And, yeah, but they all just come in at different times. Yeah. It's the same thing with our, our cockatiel. I've actually taught him how to whistle songs now, so that's that's pretty Have cool. You? My wife said, she goes, that song, I think he knows it now. <laughs> so then he's out there and he's, he can whistle this song that I've taught him. I love Which that. was interesting because it was my my mum's uncle used to look after a lot of birds and he used to teach his galahs that song. And yeah. it was funny and I had never thought about it and it just came into my head. So I wow. passed on this generational song, which is pretty funny. I love how when I met your bird that, um, you know, you just take it out of its cage and it just sits on your, you know, shoulder, you know, it's part of, you know, the family. Yeah. They're I love very, that. Yeah, they're very... Um, uh, what's the word like? Is in like with family? They they like that connection. So they, I think they must have a lot of oxytocin with yeah. the birds. Yeah, my grandma used to do that with her cocky. She used to always take it out of its cage and it would sit on her shoulder. Yeah, when yeah. we first got him and we'd sit down for dinner, he'd just go up and down his cage and go nuts and squawk and want to get out and he'd have his chest up and yeah. he'd be flapping and yeah. So he he likes to be part of the family. Yeah, gorgeous, <laughs> which is good. Yeah, cool. So you're back at the beach. Are you loving it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I didn't real. I, I always knew. It's funny when you were talking about like what happened, you know, during lockdown. And obviously we moved to Melbourne for an adventure for my daughter to pursue her dreams and with her yeah. gymnastics and things like that. And then obviously, you know, she's still doing that now just in a slightly different way but still, still fantastic. Yeah. But there was that sort of change in around July, August when all roads sort of pointed back to coming home. Mm. It was like this is this is where you need to be, and the universe couldn't have been any clearer as to this is where you need to be yeah. plonked. And yeah. again, it's that surrender of okay. And then when you sort of yeah. had that, you know, I had so much righteous anger with the lockdown and not being able to work, and yeah, there was all these sucked. things, and yeah, and just wrestling with myself half the time. It was really hard. It, it all happened so fast, mm. especially the second one, because I think we did a podcast. Yeah. At the start of, I think the the lockdown, we did that hero's journey yeah. podcast. So we're, yeah. we're all going on our own hero's journey. Totally. Um, <laughs> and and I remember you asking me. You said, "Oh, does it feel different?" And I said, "Yes." Like I could tell it was yeah. just it was it was going to be a, a very different mm. yeah a very different time. Yeah. But do you know the the amazing thing is you talk to a hundred different people and they've all got different experiences. It's true. For some people, they wouldn't really have even known that it, it happened. It's like, oh yeah, I just went about my life and did my thing, kept and working. Yeah, and and then you've got other people who might have lost their job, or other people, yeah. you know, a lot of self-employed people who couldn't work, and, and then mums who and, and dads who had to <coughs> homeschool all the kids, and that was a massive thing, wasn't it? Yeah, and then I've got some clients that I've spoken to. There's, like, I was just built for isolation. <laughs> like, and I was just <laughs> yeah. built for isolation. Like, they loved, loved it. it. Yeah, they love not having to be everywhere for their kids. And yeah. and I know that because with my obviously having three kids and and a busy 
busy life, uh, things do become so yeah. micromanaged. Yeah. It's like, right, I have to drop them off here, then I have to be here, then I've got to get my work day in yeah. and then I've got to go off to this and that and that. So much to do. So I think a lot of people just, oh, getting a chance to, yeah. yeah. But then again, like when we spoke about with the water element and going in in that podcast, you know, yeah. like with winter, yeah. going in, there's also still a time for rebirth and, and coming out Which is, out I think, what we're going through now mm. is, yeah, we're coming out now and who, you know, how are we going to show up in our lives? How are we going to let go of all the stress and fear that we experienced last year? And um, it takes conscious effort to do that because the body is designed to survive mm. and it's always going to be the dominant pathway. So you have to override it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it's key, isn't it? Like you said, it's the dominant pathway. It's trying to protect you. Yeah. It, and it's subconscious. So it doesn't really care too much about some of your grand thoughts or some of your intuitive ideas. It goes, no, I just need to keep you alive. I just need to make sure this sort of... Until you change your mind that, yeah, you're not in survival and that's the key. What you think and what you feel and what you believe is what is going to dictate that pathway. Yeah, and what do you think are some good things that people can do when they feel themselves? Because that's what I was thinking before. I wanted to talk about that re-triggered. So when people go, oh, I just feel, because their nervous system will go, oh, I just feel a bit, got butterflies in my tummy or I feel a bit yeah. nervous or I don't quite have a good feeling about this. And again, it's just an idea. It's not what's right. going to unfold. That's right. And we've got that moment to go, oh, hello, Mr. Thought. Well, when we're stressed, you know, what I think is we tend to focus on what we don't want and worst case scenarios because that's the safest way. And when we're stressed, we become more rigid in our mind, in our body, we're unhappier, we're not as well and we're not as creative. Mm. So what I do is I focus on being more present and calm because I noticed in my recovery with um, MS and the paralysis I had 11 years ago, it was when I found hope again when my toe moved for the first time. Mm. I found hope and as a result I started to focus my energy differently. I began to focus on what I wanted instead of what I didn't want and then inevitably that led to me feeling calmer and happier and little did I know that maybe what was going on in my body was I was shifting out of survival, promoting growth and repair instead. Mm. So I'm so passionate about how we're thinking and how we're feeling and being more so malleable in our minds where we can change our minds about what we're believing and that's what we're going through now is we have to let go of last year and all the fear that surrounded it. And, yes, we've still got some hurdles to, you know, overcome this year but to try and start fresh and believe that this year it's going to be different to last year and we do have the tools to overcome it. Yeah, and I think... Things like, and I've, I'm probably, I've said this probably in six podcasts already, but I'll <laughs> say it again, that that being wired for that positive psychology. So yeah. like I said, and I'll go back to my kids again, but it's like what, what great things happened today yep. and, you know, um, what did you do nice for something, someone else? But they wire us for the joy. Yeah. In, and that's one of the things, um, you know, like with my essential oils, joy I've been using a lot lately, trying to get it into that limbic brain and get people to get that window of opportunity where they go, oh, yeah that's pretty cool and that's pretty cool. That's right. Or even just like a grateful log, three things like I'm mm. grateful for. Do you know one thing that I'll talk about just now really quickly is mm. being able to lift weights again and get back in the gym. Oh, my God, it's like a cosmic orgasm. It's so good. Like, Amazing. Like just being <laughs> just being able to lift weights again yeah. um, and, and, and do that. Like, I mean, I set up a bit of a gym at home, you know, while I was in isolation up in Mount Waverley. Yeah. But it, it wasn't the same thing. No. It's, it's not the same thing for me. It was just to, to be able to do that again, I am so grateful. Like every day mm. that I'm lifting weights, it's like, oh, this is the best thing ever. So yeah. I think that, you know, and I've, you know, I, I started off with a, you know, a degree in exercise science yeah. and, and have done a lot of strength and conditioning for people over yeah. the years and then moved into where I am now. But 
it's always been a part of my life and it was funny that being taken away was mm. one thing was oh there's a real hole and it's yeah. it's such a mood elevator for me yeah yeah if i if i'm not exercising a couple of times a week and really every day something mm. yeah my body feels more rigid and my mindset is is completely affected mm. yeah like is there is there anything else that you're like just over the moon grateful for oh just the freedom to be able to connect with my friends because mm. you know my friends are you know, I, I treat them as my family and because um, I don't have kids yet, you know, and so my friends really are my family and to not be able to um, see my, you know, when we were in lockdown and we had that restriction, really you relied on who lived close to you mm. to have those walks. And I'm so grateful I had some friends that lived around the corner that we could actually walk every day yeah. if we wanted to. But, yeah, just just connecting and sharing meals with people again. I love cooking and um, connecting in that way. Um, I'm really grateful to be able to just get in the car and drive up here whenever mm. I want and then go back to Melbourne and just being able to be wherever I want to be. Mm. That's the freedom that I also had experienced um, that was taken away when I was paralysed. Mm. It was when the first time I realised, wow, I'm in rehabilitation and I was living in hospital. Even even coming home, I, I had to reset my licence test again because I had a brain injury. And um, after the big attack, that paralysed me. So n not having the freedom to be able to just jump in the car and drive myself wherever mm. I wanted to go, it was massive. And that's how I felt in this lockdown is you couldn't just get in your car without feeling naughty to, mm. you know, drive. We just couldn't drive out of the 5K radius. And I found that really, really restricting. That was hard to overcome in my mind. Oh, yeah. That freedom's, freedom's massive. I mean, mm. I even see it with my middle daughter. She's just gone into year seven and... She catches the bus now and so, mm. you know, you're there. It's, you've, it's very different from primary school. They're getting picked up by your parents and it's, yeah. so you've actually got that little bit of freedom and you yeah. can see how much they love it. So there's these little incremental things across time that, yeah, like you said, you know, you, you get a little bit of freedom where you can travel yourself without your parents being there. You get a chance to, you know, you drive a car and then you get those things taken away and it's yeah. huge. Yeah, there was something about that. And then, and then it felt weird when like those restrictions lifted and then you could, you know, drive as far as you wanted to go it, it felt weird yeah oh look for us up there we had all of my families down here so like down here my you know all of our parents and you know cousins and brothers and sisters are all you know two minutes away from me here so when i was up in mount waverley mm. yeah we were really in isolation there yeah stuck in a suburb with with no family around totally. at all and that would have been really hard so then when i we decided to move back down here um like one of the reasons to leave that ring of steel and leave it was to actually move so i loved it because like oh yes i can <laughs> so packing up the stuff and moving was the best yeah. thing in the world it was it was like you were yeah. you know you'd, you'd get through that ring of steel and then get to down here and it was it was like freedom yeah <laughs> yeah totally understand and the other thing uh -huh. i was really grateful for was actually going back to work mm. I didn't realise how much I really love. Well, I, I do know that I love what I do, but I really loved seeing my regulars again and just connecting one-on-one. -on -one. And it's, it's, again, what you're talking about is that touch and that tactile. Mm. So when you think about obviously being a kinesiologist or a body therapist, yeah. you're used to hands-on therapy. Yeah. And, and people talking. love that, but other people love that too. They need yeah. that touch. So that's going to be one of the biggest challenges with social distancing. And obviously yeah. there's, a, there's a health reason for it. Yeah. Um, but we do need touch and connection and yeah, all do. of those things, yeah. yeah and, and conversation. Mm. Even just now, just talking about stuff and, you know, it's how we work through stuff in our minds. And Yeah. Look, I'd had Zoom fatigue by June or whatever. Yeah. I was over Zoom. It's like, <laughs> no, nah, I'm, I'm done with this. Like yeah. I just, yeah. 
And then all those apps like House Party and oh, all no, that. No, no, no. I mean, look, they're fantastic. Like it's amazing some of the innovation that's yeah, allowed things to happen. That's true. And even, you know, one of those cool things, I saw some bands that were, they, they'd done like some gigs but they were all separate in different places. So you had like the drummer in one location, the guitarist and the singer. So a lot of those things are real, you know, and I saw like Robbie Williams was doing lounge room concerts and Jimmy Barnes and things like that. So yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, to, that was cool. To have that sort of stuff. But yeah. I think... As a, as a primary mode of communication, mm. Zoom's not something how you want to live life. No. We don't want to be Zooming forever. Like, I mean, you did a, a wellness workshop yesterday, yeah? I did. And that would have been the first one for a while? Yeah, in person. Yeah. It certainly was probably over a year and it was so great mm-hmm. to just – yeah, well, I actually created a new program so I was delivering um, a, a, a new resilience workshop and I did that um, for a business, so I love doing that now. So when I'm not with clients at, the, at my private practice, um, I love um, getting together with businesses and just you know, helping them with mindset um, and my four pillars of health, so resilience and then happy mind, mm. body, food and connection. Mm. Which comes back to what we were talking about before. Even though you said you went nuts and created all this content, like that resilience content is so important right now, right now because that's exactly what we need, that resilience, we need that grit, we need that extra gear yeah. Yeah. just to create something new. And that doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be, needs to be hard or it needs to be challenging, mm. um, but we still are going to have obstacles of going yeah. into the new. Well, what I've been loving about, so I've been doing a, a resilience um, show as well mm, on my podcast mm, yes. and on YouTube. You smashed it, sorry to interrupt, but you smashed yeah. it like 27 Heaps. or 28 episodes. It was like, I don't know how I did it. I think it. we've I, only done six of this before. And then in between like us stopping this podcast and starting today, like you just smashed out all that content. It was amazing. I just, it, it was just organic and all the special guests just, you know, came naturally. Mm. And sometimes I was doing about four or five interviews a week. So that's how I accumulated so much. And thanks for helping me with all the video oh, no, stuff my pleasure. and editing. You're so good at that. And, um, yeah, but it was interesting seeing what everybody said about what resilience is. And the most common answers were, you know, digging down deep uh, when you want to give in, who you are in those moments when no one's watching, how to be strong and how to keep going. But then some people said, no, it's actually more about self-love and vulnerability, Mm -hmm. which I thought was so interesting. Mm. It's a whole different perspective of just pulling back and it's okay to not be okay was their de- definition of resilience. It was just awesome to see, you know, everyone's different perspectives on on that. And has it changed your view of resilience? My view on resilience, yeah, it definitely opened my mind to how I can be softer on myself. But my true definition of resilience is <coughs> leaning into uncertainty with that courage and and your and answering your call to courage. Mm. Because every day we experience change, but life sometimes brings profound change and I think that the more flexible we can be and how adaptable we can train ourselves to be in those moments where life brings divorce, the ending of a career, um, change in finances, you know, big change that shakes us, who we are and how we show up in those moments really takes us to the next level of our lives Mm. and, you know, that we have free will. We don't have to answer the call and, you know, for me one of my biggest moments was, well, when I was told I would never walk again and how I responded I knew was going to take me down one pathway or the other. Mm. And, you know, I, I I remember in one of my first rehab sessions just trying to make my hand open and close and I couldn't do it and I could just feel I was just devastated and it was just a moment for me 
And I knew something in me had to change to get better results. And I knew it was my thinking and my mindset. Um, and, you know, it took my toe moving again. And that was after experiencing joy. Mm. Like when I went out with my girlfriends and they took me, they put me in my wheelchair, we went across the road for dinner and we just laughed and forgot about it all for a while. And it was in that moment I just felt such profound joy reconnecting with my friends after for a couple of months lying in a hospital bed paralysed, four white walls. I had lots of visitors but it was just that moment where they took me across the road. I just felt normal sitting up. Um, you know, of course they had to cut up my food for me. I only had one functioning arm. But it was experiencing such joy in those moments. I felt like I was absorbing it in all of my cells and that night my toe moved for the first time and I really believe joy is connected to repair after experiencing that. Oh, yeah. Like I, th- I think because you, you're, talking, you're talking about a, a transcendental emotion and what I, so I suppose I mean by that sometimes is that even your brain becomes more hyper-connected. Yeah. So areas that don't normally talk to each other start talking to each yeah. other. So rather than, like you said, when you talk about being um, wired for survival and stress, that's the way your neurons are firing. That's so how you shift it. We can get that hyper-connection and, you know, all yeah. the brain's integrated and both hemispheres are talking to each other. Changed everything. It so, just changed everything. So do you think because we were, you were talking about a few things there, and I definitely agree with the flexibility one on mm. on on every like a cognitive level, on a physical level, even on a more of a cosmic level. There's there's definitely when you talk about yoga and meditation, and do you think surrender like un, and I'm going to use the word unconditional because I think that's the most mm. important. Do you think unconditional surrender was what? created that window of opportunity because a lot of people can go ah oh, stuff it it doesn't like there's anger still yeah. connected into the well I'll just give up that or I'll do that that that's not what yeah. surrendering is like not throwing up the white flag it came that, out of that nowhere unconditional, like yeah. I, it wasn't even a an intentional it just it and, and that's what happens with joy it rises mm. out of the blue mm. and it was it was a moment of surrender for sure and it allowed me to see things from a higher perspective rather than from the ground floor. When we're stressed, we're very reactive. And I think that our reactions also show us what we're believing. Mm. And what we're believing is very subconscious. And if your beliefs don't align with your goals and what you're wanting, there's a conflict there. Mm. And that's how I work with my clients is what's the inner conflict that's brewing. And even for me on my journey, it was losing the belief in myself and and my confidence and self-esteem that took a hit when I was diagnosed with MS. And then when I started to do all the research of what could happen, and then when I started believing it, I stopped believing in what could be possible in my life. Mm. And then I started to squeeze in every ounce of fun that I could, <laughs> believing I was a ticking time bomb. Mm. And so, of course, I, I created. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then my worst fears were realised, living my life in, in this way, so stressed. Mm. And I think that, you know, going back to, you know, when we're more calm and present in the moment, you don't, you're not as reactive and you're more malleable and you can really see your life from a higher perspective. And I think it's so important to start your day like that. Mm. And then what I try and do is when I master that, I try and hold that for the whole day. Not easy to do. Yeah. But that's how I try and live because I make better decisions from, you know, that angle of, you know, if you imagine you're seeing your life from on top of the penthouse, you can see Mm. all the streets, that higher understanding of why everything's going on. So for someone to hold their centre of gravity or their consciousness or to, to visit that upper room, mm. what what do you use? So if you're – because quite often it, once we're in that consciousness and in that space, those brain waves are, are flowing that way, yeah. it's a lot easier to make those decisions. But if yeah. someone is still down in that survival stress 
what do you, or what do you do in the morning if you're feeling that way? How do you get into the upper room? I make sure I feel very anchored in the morning because when you're anchored, you know who you are, what you stand for, and what you're made of. And like a tree is anchored, um, it's what allows that flexibility. And I do that with my morning meditation, drinking lots of water in the morning, mm, which and actually having, reminds me of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you got to make sure you hydrate, yeah. and we forget exactly. Mm. Um, and so. Food, water, um, you know, good nutrition, meditation and journaling because, you know, we wash our body every day. You know, how do you wash your mind of yesterday's stresses and thoughts that are redundant now, you know, and, and how do you start fresh? And I like to start fresh with a blank canvas and I think about my intention for the day because whatever um, we're focused on, our brain's job is to notice more of that in our environment around us. And when mm. we're stressed, we tend to focus on what we don't want. So you really want to be more calm and present so that you can focus on what you do want. Therefore, you're going to see more possibility around you. So let's say my intention in the morning is to have more fun in my day because that's what helps me get out of survival. Mm. I forget to just actually have fun mm. while I'm working really Human hard. Human doing. Totally. Mm. And so if I think about that in the morning, I'm going to notice more opportunities in my day to do that, but then I'd actually integrate that throughout my day. So whilst I'm interacting with you, my first appointment this morning, mm. um, I'm thinking about having more fun with you. <laughs> and, you know, I might do that with, you know, the person I have lunch with next and I'm thinking about that. Yeah, so I integrate my intentions throughout the day. I'm, just, I'm not just thinking about it in the morning. And I think bringing into our awareness of how we're feeling emotionally and physically, that's part of my journaling you know, the answers that are, um, the questions that I answer because we can just push so much out of our awareness um, when things get tough and then we're not acknowledging how we're feeling and that's how all the pressure builds up and there's this conflict that occurs. So I write, I write down my intention, how do I feel emotionally and how do I feel physically and that's, that's what I do in the morning. Mm, and I think you said something really good just before then when you were saying about when we get busy or we get filled with stuff. Mm. It's knowing what that upper room feels like. If that upper room was a radio station and yeah. knowing, oh, hang on, I'm, I'm not quite navigating from the upper room as well or whatever you want to call it, higher self. I was just, you called yeah. the penthouse, so I was calling Pe- the upper penthouse, room. Penthouse, higher yeah. self. So I was like, oh, okay, all right, let me let me just get myself back there now, make a decision. And How that's why often I'll go, all right, higher self, what would you do in this situation? Yeah. And it's usually not what you're thinking right now. <laughs> well, I, f- I find meditation takes me there. So, you know, I'll calmly breathe. I'll do my breathing. I'll scan my body and then I'll take myself, you know, with my eyes closed to sitting on top of a mountain. Mm. And then I view or all the penthouse. Mm. Yeah, you taught me that actually, the mountaintop. Mm, it's a very Taoist sort of thing because even with our acupuncture system, you know, when we open up a lot of these upper acupuncture points, it's about bringing in that pristine mountain air. So the lungs mm. want to breathe in this pure, pristine mountain air and, you know, opening up the windows of the heavens and or, you know, with a lot of qigong, like pulling down the heavens. Yeah, breathing in new inspiration yeah. in life. Like when we yep. feel capped and stressed, you'll find that you, you won't be inclined to take on more in your day and, you know, with your workload. Like mm. if you feel stressed and capped, we're in charge of how stressed and capped we are. Mm. You don't need that badge of honour anymore. No. Nah. You've got to make sure that, you know, you create space and you're, you know, being really focused on, you know, I'm such a culprit for doing too much at the same time because I think I still have those beliefs of oh, squeezing everything now just in case everything, you know, goes pear-shaped. Yeah. Whilst this is my 11th year of clear MRIs and my health is so amazing, sometimes I just want to get everything done now just in case and then I don't, get, I don't do anything well when I do it that way but when I narrow down, okay, I'm just going to focus on this. You know, I'll do that really well. 
That's sort of that difference between being busy and being productive. Exactly. So you can be busy all day long. But I have to catch myself when I'm doing it. And so I do that with a wristband. I have a wristband that says I'm enough. So with your wristband, do you flick it? Do you look at it? I just look at it and it says I'm enough, bend like bamboo, and it just reminds me to uh, get out of my head. Sometimes I'm very, very in my head and I drop into my heart I get out of, you know, I'm usually thinking about the past or the future too much and I just try and think of right now, I can just look at a tree, anything that brings me back to the present moment. Being with Henry, my dog, that'll bring me right back. Mm. Yeah. Or looking into someone's eyes, Mm. like that can make you present too. Um, Make you very present. Yeah. yeah. Don't they have those eye-gazing type things where I think in Tantra they have a lot of that type of stuff. Yeah, it's hard looking looking at someone's. I remember I've done it once before in a, a, and I had to do it with a guy. And we just had to look into each other's yeah. eyes for yeah. It was it was about three or can. five minutes, and we actually did quite well. It was yeah. it was quite interesting. It was um, there, there's that moment of uncomfortableness, mm. and then there's that moment of vulnerability. But mm. it's like anything, and then you sort of get into a bit more of a flow state, yeah. and you're just there, and, and you're then you surrender and, and like, you allow yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, like oh, I wonder if they wonder what I look like. And, oh, <laughs> shit, I didn't didn't shave this morning, or hope I don't have bad breath. <laughs> and <laughs> some people do it in the mirror, looking at themselves in the eye. Oh yeah, I that, think that's weird. Like that. Yeah, I did a I did a course. Oh, this was ages ago. Um, it was called PPS. It was personal, professional, and spiritual, mm-hmm. like business sort of type stuff. Or it was life. Sorry, you did cool. your personal, professional, and spiritual life. Mm. And one of the things, um, this was Paul Check. This was one of the things that he had in that course was you. He was talking about looking at yourself in the mirror and going, "I love you. Mm. I love you." Mm. <laughs> I really, really love you. Wow. And being able to do that, like yeah. I can do it now. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's no good. worries. But I remember looking in the mirror going, you're a dickhead. <laughs> you're a dickhead. You're a really big dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. But then you go, oh, wow, that's interesting. I can't even be present with myself in the mirror for like three seconds. I get my clients to stand nude in front of the mirror every day, the ones that need this exercise, and say, I am magnificent. Mm. It's not easy to do yeah. when you're not believing it, but it is easy to do when you start to believe it. Yeah, and that's the key, isn't it? It's the beliefs. And I yeah. think because you were talking before about beliefs and goals, what do you think about core values in there as well? So what's your sort of idea of the difference between that's a, a belief, question. a core value and I because... I think so many of us don't even know what our values. Mm. Yeah, I've yeah. learned that. I mean, I've... Um, been in some workshops where you know we've had to go through our values and what's important to us mm. and I've realized doing that oh wow I did, didn't really anchor into that I think it's really important I think when you know what you value and what you stand for then you'll know what to walk towards and what to walk away from yeah and it was in that course that was another thing I learned about your goals and your core values really need to line up. So if you, yes. let's just say you have a, a goal of weight loss or whatever it might be, yeah. self-care, if if you're a mum and, you know, you're number 16 on the list of your core values because all these other things take priority, mm. that goal is just never going to come to fruition because you're never going to give it the energy and the focus and the presence that it needs because all those That's other right. things will consume your attention. That's right. So then, yeah, it's interesting to know where your beliefs are at with certain things but I think core values are another one that I think play a big role in us really being able to move forward and like you said with joy and just go, oh, this this align, this is my philosophy, this aligns with me, this is authentic. I agree. Yeah, I and, agree. It's really important. And I wonder with the, the lockdown whether that's something that helps people shift and change that authenticity of about, mm. you know, rather what they want to be than what they think they need to be. Yeah. 
because a lot of people think, well, I have to be in the corporate world doing this and I've got to commute on the train every morning and do my blah, 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 blah. Mm. And now that sort of all at the moment has been taken Blown away. Apart. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, oh, wow, I, you know, I now work from home and I'm a Zoomer. <laughs> yeah. And some people are loving it. Yeah. Loving working from home. And they didn't even know that they, oh, there's a lot of animals that are loving it too. I can tell you mm. that much. Well, Stephen Kotler's an amazing author. He's got a brand new book I've been listening to at the moment called The Art of Impossible. Mm. Um, but he does a lot of research on flow states, like yep. how to maintain flow states. So whether it be big wave surfing or, you know, in incubators coming up with great ideas. And what they found with the pandemic was that the the greatest flow state and ideas in workforces come when they're all together there as a unit. So yeah. being in isolation doesn't necessarily create those same, you know, even like water cooler ideas, just people mm. just generally around because you love that. You love riffing. Yeah. Like so that's that flow state. I know you need those people around you like riffing and things because it's like you put it together and it's like, oh, yeah, and we'll do this and we'll do that and we'll yeah. do that. You can yeah. do that sort of upper room architect thing. Yeah, I love I love working in this way. Not everybody's like that. Some people like to do all that stuff on their own. Mm, but it was interesting just looking now at they've even done a lot of workplace research showing about, okay, this has been great. We've done what we need to do from a health perspective mm. but from an innovation and a moving forward type thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's Another thing I learned from that too was that um, – Companies like Google and 3M, I think, started the idea where they mm. gave their employees like 20 or 30% of their time could mm. be just dedicated to their passion projects. Cool. So whatever they wanted and they found that that's where the most innovative and profitable things for those companies came from. I believe that. So where those people were able just to go off, work on their thing and, you know, have a bit more freestyling and a yeah. lot more flow. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Being stuck into that rigid nine to five workflow, this is where I need to be. It, I don't think it creates that joy, that growth and repair, no. that, you know, being able to connect the dots and move I forward. Think spending time with different people and, you know, now that we're able to travel a little bit more, not a lot more, but <clears throat> surrounding ourselves with new groups of people mm. all the time well, is you did really this important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was great. Even just an environment change, which was an hour away, it, was, mm. it profoundly affected my thinking and you know, it allowed me to reassess my values and what was important to me and, you know, I realised so much um, that I need um, an environment that slows me down more. Like I just know that now. Mm. But I also, coming back to Melbourne, realised how much I love it there as well, which I needed that comparison. So I'm still not knowing where I really want to land but, but what I do know is uh, I need a little bit of nature and I maybe need the freedom to have multiple areas that I'm working in, which is yeah. what I'm creating naturally, I think, being here with you today. And, mm, mm. You know, then I've got to be back in Melbourne tomorrow and I like that. I like that variety. It's yeah. good for my brain. Well, I think it gives you, yeah, well, it gives you novelty because you're invited to play lots of games. Yeah. So you're not just stuck in one game. And so it allows me to here, I can be, be more innovative yeah. and I think of more creative solutions in all the things that I do because I'm exposed to different people and environments. Oh, I've never met a networker like you. I don't think really? I've ever. No, I don't think I could meet it. But just that openness of just, yeah, let's do this, let's do that. Wow, yeah. let's have these conversations. I love let's... people and I love communicating mm. and I know that I do it easily. Oh, and, yeah. You know, and I learned that skill, you know, from trying times when I was younger. Mm. I had to learn how to communicate um, when I was young because, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on. My twin sister was really sick and um, and I remember it was through trying times of being at school when she wasn't there and learning how to talk to my friends. You know, my mum and dad were so busy taking care of Nicole because she literally died twice 
and then she had to go to London for this forward therapy and, mm. you know, that didn't exist in Australia yet. So I had to learn how to use my voice and that's how, that's what bending like bamboo means as well is, is how to, you know, shift um, something that's stressful and perhaps even traumatic and seeing what, what gift it gave you. And, and the strengths and, and the resilience that it gives me now to be a great communicator. Like I love doing podcasts with you and mm. I love um, – I know that I can connect easily in any room that I'm in. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that – I wouldn't have learned that out of, um, you know, some difficult things that I had to work through. Yeah, and you even look at some of the other th- – obviously you've got your clinic but even look at a lot of the media things that you've just done for fun and they just sort of open yeah. up and just come because you're just willing to – just to do it. Like that, that one when you were on the project, when was that? Was that last, no, the year before? It was a couple of years. Oh, yeah. Did that just happen organically? Was it just like you just put my hand up? Yeah, I'll yeah, do no, it. Yeah, and it was just so random. Yeah. Every, every, um, every show they pick one audience member to jump on and, and, and interview, not interview, um, introduce the next guest. It was so cool. <laughs> just got to sit on the table, had to look at the, like, you know, the camera, teleprompter. <laughs> and then they did a GIF uh, and tweeted it. So it looked like I was actually a guest on the project. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, well done. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it was cool. <laughs> but, Maybe one day I'll actually but, be on there. But how good are those experiences though? Yeah. Just, well, just it, to do that. Yeah, yeah. it blows your circuits but a little bit. But you think about it, they would have looked out over the audience and – like if you're looking energetically, it would have been like this big bright light around you and it's like, yeah, we should pick her. No, I think a, few, she's a few people went like that. Oh, really? Okay. And like pick her, pick her. I yeah. was like, oh, God. Oh, so there still was a little bit of that. You are still yeah. a little bit nervous about going oh, up there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but it was so much fun and I'd never – I actually had used a teleprompter before um, but it was just – and oh, look, the crew was so lovely and great. It was just fun. But you want to – you know, it's live camera. You want to do a good job. But then up. at the same time, who cares? Yeah. And that's the thing. Who cares? If we can surrender like that, you're you going to show up more and do things you never thought you would do. We didn't become an internet meme, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> you don't become a meme. No. So what have you been doing um, um, in the last year in terms of projects? Mm, so I happened to just by chance last January um, I was at a wedding and I was talking to an audio engineer about a, a meditation, breathwork meditation idea that I had. Mm. Um, and, and he said, oh, that sounds really good. And, you know, he's a, he's a lecturer and he said, oh, I'll, I'll put it out there to some of my students and see if anyone wants to take it on as a project. Cool. So I got this amazing, um, lady who's just does phenomenal work. She does a lot of emotive work for movies and things like that. So she was just really interested in it. So I gave her the idea and yeah, we went back and forth obviously throughout isolation and we're pretty much at the point now where it's ready for, um, ready for human consumption. Cool. So I'll give you a preview after this podcast. Oh, I love that. So it's a, so one of the reasons I created this one is that I, I've done it to like a rhythmic soundtrack. So it's like a journey through the music. Cool. Um, but I've tried to make it like very intuitive with the music that you know when to shift and what's happening because I didn't want any spoken word in it. Mm, So I I really wanted to make sure that I created this musical journey. Yeah. Um, So it's got lots of different layers and different instruments and sounds and brainwaves that it creates to try and create this flow state. Mm. Um, You know, and I've made it so it can be a a five to ten minute one if you only need that amount of time in the morning and then I've got a, a full-blown, you know, one That's hour so cool. sort of thing that you can do. Yeah. So it's it's very, it was very intricate and it's taken a long, long oh. time and, I mean, to 
my brain thinks very differently to a lot of people. <laughs> Which is a good thing. So, so for her to actually be able to conceptualise a lot of the things that yeah. I was talking about, I was, I was just lucky that she'd done a lot of yoga and a lot of other things that it's, it's worked out really well. So after really well. you do listen to the music and you do the breath work, what, what, what happens to the person doing it? Oh, you transcend and you're enlightened. Love it. <laughs> Let's do it now. <laughs> so it really so, takes you to that state, that, that so radio the, station just, we were talking diff, about. Diff, yeah, diff, the, the full one does. Yeah. Um, but then the other ones, are more the shorter ones are more designed to just settle down the nervous system to begin well, with. Well, if you think about it, you know, we've got our brain waves and how they change frequency mm. when we're sleeping as opposed to being fully awake yep. and aware. So I guess that's a good analogy of what, you're trying to do with the music and the breath work is how to get what's the um what's the brain wave when we're in our most relaxed is it theta that can be like when you yeah very very relaxed in a meditative yeah. state or which is when we're most sleeping. malleable yeah yeah and that's more like that three to five o'clock in the morning type thing when yeah. your neurons are doing a lot of pruning what do i keep what do i don't what do i don't does that make sense yeah yeah um but that's why one of the big challenges is when we get dream disturbed sleep we don't get a solution from it you know mm. like your brain will be trying to filter something out and yeah. it wakes you up right. we don't actually get that resolution which is a bit of a bummer mm. but that's why things like yeah you've probably heard of um and i've never done it but there's like that theta healing but that's designed of that idea that when and probably like hypnosis and things as well when you get down to those slower brain waves there's probably a better chance of creating neuroplasticity or some change than there might be if you're up stuck in that high beta brain wave which is what a lot of people exactly. that's your anxiety we get stuck fear, there you know that's, what, stress. that's really what we're doing in every kinesiology session too mm. Yeah. just slowing down the nervous system yeah. so it can go in and the brain waves so that you can integrate and come into that calm state, more present, you know, where you're more creative. And that's what I've tried to do with this uh, meditation or these tracks is create very similar things mm. that you might get on the table So with could me. I listen to it in the background while I'm working or is it more just actually with headphones, don't do anything else while you're doing it? You, I've, I've, I've created this one so it can be headphones or it can be groups. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a group of you guys down here and we're going to cool. do it all together. Um, so depending on, yeah, what the goal is of the person is, it Love could just be idea. a, like I said, chill out the nervous system. Yeah. Or it could be we're going to go into some more transcendental type spaces as well. And Ooh. obviously they take longer to get into. Yeah. So after, you know, a couple of weeks of training your nervous system to chill out, you can go a bit deeper, mm. you can go a bit deeper, mm. you can go a bit deeper again. Love it. So That's yeah, really so, cool. and then How obviously, so and obviously, you know that I've got all my essential oil combos. I love your oils. So there's um, so there's a whole range of oils that will be designed to try get into the limbic system of the brain and obviously create that effect quicker. So you use the olfactory system yep. and deeply smelling. These are oils that you know you rub it on your points or you deeply smell. You don't put it in burners. No, no, no. It's all it's it's quite medical. Yeah. Um, and. And the, the combination of oils helps to either release emotion mm. or to open up points in our body. Yep. Yeah. Just, just windows of opportunity for change. They're yeah, just companions awesome. for working with if you're working with a particular emotion or you just need to calm your nervous system or whatever it might like be. Like, for example, I love your shock oil. Mm. So, you know, I've had a client or even myself when I've gone into shock and if I smell that recipe that you created for shock, I can feel my nervous system mm, changing. Grounding, it just, it yeah. just assists me to come out of yeah. whatever. And shock's a really good example because. So it's like if someone, when we get shock, we're like a mosaic. We get fragmented and mm. fractured and we, you know, we need to bring ourselves back into centre for the healing to resume or to yeah. just, oh, you know what, I'm actually okay. Yeah. Because we don't shake ourselves off like a dog does. Yeah. We we just carry Keep that going. shock around. Yeah. Or, yeah. We, or we just compensate for it and we yeah. become like a, you know, a game of Jenga. Yeah. We've got all these things stacked up. 
So mm-hmm. that's one of the great things about, yeah, a lot of those oils is they can just create that window of opportunity. And like you said, they get yeah. into the olfactory bulb, they hit the limbic system. Yeah. So they can work with emotions, they can work with the survival parts of I our brain. I love your oils. Oh, that's really exciting. And there you've got them on your website. And um, I love, oh, I can't wait to try this new breath work. That's really cool. Mm. Congratulations. Yeah. So lots. So that's that's what I did. And it was fun too. It was joyous. Like it was yeah. one of those things. That you really it was, enjoyed creating it. Yeah, it was it was a really cool project to, to work on. It wasn't necessarily easy because I had a pretty significant and specific vision of how I wanted it to be. It took time. But all good artists have that. All good things <laughs> take good time. The visionary part. Yeah, so that was really cool. So I think we spoke a bit about your stuff before but you – you, we spoke about your podcast that you did. We've spoken a bit about that online stuff, but you even created a course, yeah? Yeah, I just felt like um, and I, I wanted to help um, people on a bigger level and obviously there's only so much you can do one-on-one in person in Melbourne. Mm, mm. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got um, six uh, lessons, the Resilience Masterclass and then a, a, um, a Masterclass on Mindset and I've got um, body, which is stretches and exercises that helps to de-stress and, and remove, not remove, but, you know, uh, clear out emotions. Mm. And, um, I, you know, I've done so much research on nutrition in my time to help, you know, myself heal from, mm. um, you know, a debilitating disease. I, you know, it's a constant maintenance program. And so as a result, I did a lot of research on so many doctors um, from all over the world their research and you know I've learned a lot so I just created a document which is the ebook on common denominators of what to eat what mm. what not to eat to promote repair and then when I had nourish I had so many recipes so I just collated a cookbook with the chef and that oh, was nice. really cool um yeah so that's um happy food uh and then connection I um have a video on um meditation um and journaling mm. journaling something I think I need to start a bit more of yeah I, I can't live without it. I do it every morning and night. So you do do it at night too. That's what yes. I was – when you were talking before about, um, uh, you know, like setting yourself up for the day. But yeah. then you spoke about also letting go of, you know, lose what needs to be lost. Yeah. So yeah. is that what you do at night? Is it a bit of a closure for the day? So the questions it... I do at night are, you know, what great things happened today oh, yeah, as so you, you would do, do with yeah, your yeah, kids yeah. and what difficult things happened today. And, mm. you know, sometimes I'm – a culprit for just shoving that away and not really bringing that into my awareness and we push it aside when we feel capped. But then what you're doing is you're, you're creating stagnant energy there that's just going to brew and bubble up if you don't. So if difficult th- things happen in my day and I have a space to write about it, it's like closing the tabs in my mind. Mm. Um, and then I, um, I, I, I do gratitude at night, so what am I grateful for and what did I learn today and what is a step I can make tomorrow? So they're my mm. evening journaling questions. When you think about when you close your eyes at night too, that's a, it's a much better like frame of mind to go into sleep with as well. Yeah, I always have a better sleep. I feel like I'm just you know, re- reconciling the day and, yeah, it's really cool. Because I think you do need to do that data dump at night because we're so mm. overwhelmed with information that just we just process so much more now. And it's a great way of getting out of survival is just remembering what is good. Mm. I often used to get people to write down everything they need to do tomorrow on oh, a piece yeah. of paper before they go to bed yeah. and then because it's out of your brain and you're not doing the mental gymnastics. Good idea. And then they'd look at it and go, oh, it's actually it's only those three things I've got to do. Yeah. That's actually pretty cool. And they sleep a lot better rather than trying to process thinking about all those things in their head. Mm. So I think that, you know, we spoke about in another podcast too about exercise, about some people prefer exercise in the morning because it sets mm. them up in the day. Some people like me, I like to exercise at night because it yeah. blows the cobwebs out of the day and, and yeah. makes me feel quite good. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's the same thing with the journaling. I think obviously, you know, it's like meditation. Ideally, if you can do it twice a day, great, but most yeah. people probably won't. Same thing with journaling, just where I think you get your best bang for your buck. Yeah. Um, is that something you talk about in the course of how people can structure the journaling? Yeah, and, yeah, and cool. just how to leverage the brain's um, capacity to rewire, leveraging mm. the reticular activation system of the brain, which is that filter system that's going to filter out. You know, we have so much to process consciously and subconsciously every single second. So we need a filter system and whatever we're focused on, its job is to notice more of that in our environment. So if you... Um, you know, when you're writing your intention in the morning, what you're doing is you're you're going to notice more of that in your day. Mm. And even just sometimes for people just to practice automatic writing. Yep. Like just do it. It doesn't have to necessarily always have a structure as well. Because some people are going to make a mistake you. of their gratitude journal. Where, you know, you just got to write down three things you're grateful for. It doesn't necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just yeah. that catharsis I think is, is yeah. really helpful. What blew me away yesterday in the workshop I did, the resilience workshop with the business I had yesterday, was, you know, all my work is about flexibility and how to promote more flow. Um, and then I, was, I loved that one of the audience members she she shared and she said, I'm the opposite. She said, I actually have too much flow mm. that I need more structure. Mm. And she said, and I said, that that's true. That's true. That's really interesting that you acknowledge that. And she said, you know, I really feel like I would achieve more with more structure because I'm, and I said, are you, are you a very creative person? And mm. She said, no, not so much. But then her colleagues around her said, no, you are. <laughs> so do you think it's? Flow or chaos, like with chaos and order. Do you well, maybe think that's exactly what she was saying. Yeah, is a bit here, a bit too, there. Yeah, because yeah. flow is usually when you're just everything's just it's happening. So you'd be it's like, you know, you're you're writing a song and it, the pen's just writing itself, or and you know where the next thing's coming, or yeah. like, you know, if you're a big wave surfer, you know where every turn's going to be. So I think yeah. flow, yeah, I think flow is very different. But you know, interestingly, with brain waves. Um, beta brain waves which can be that busy chaotic but a yeah. gamma state which is that transcendental type experience that's a really high brainwave frequency as well yeah but what they find with meditators is they go down to those theta delta type mm. states and then the the energy rises up and out mm. of the head and you go into that cosmic sort of gamma state right. so it's interesting just to get there as well that's interesting yeah um, as opposed to, yeah, but we can sometimes chase that, like you said, back to that busyness thinking that's... It's all about our state. Mm. It's but all about our state. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm. Anything else you want to chat about or do you think we're... That's, do you know we've been going for 54 minutes? It's awesome. It was a great regroup and great to catch up and, you know, good to just to chat about what we've been up to for the, for the last year and, you know, yeah. so much has happened but it's Heaps. great to reconnect um, and it's great to... And I'm just really enjoying now integrating all the things I've learned in the last year and I've just learned so much. There was so much growth because there was so much challenge. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, I think we'll finish it there, yeah? Beautiful. Great. So thank you for tuning in. I'll say hello to you on the camera there. We'll see what we do with this one. <laughs> yeah. And we shall see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.